All right. Well, first off, I'd like to thank uh, Pastor Jordan for giving me this opportunity. Uh, it's a great honor, and I'm um, uh, really thankful and, and humbled that he trusts me this much. Um, I'd like to thank Haas for, for no particular reason. Um, he's just great, and I'm glad he's here to, to hear this. It really uh, lifts me up. So, yeah. I guess we'll go ahead and get into it. As you guys know, we've been talking about the greatest show, which is, you know, all the amazing things that God has done in the Bible. And God has done some really incredible things. He's done some really flashy things, stuff that not even necessary. He's kind of just showing off to everybody. So I decided to pick one of those ones. So I'm going to be talking about the time that God stopped time, where he froze the sun in the sky. Before we get to that part, I'm going to give you uh, a little bit of backstory. <clears throat> so, at this point, um, the Israelites they've they've already gotten out of Egypt. They've already crossed the Red Sea. You know, Moses has died, and Joshua's come, and Joshua's taken over, and now they are in the Promised Land. And in this point in time, you know, when they got to the Promised Land, throughout the the whole Bible, it's it's you read it and you're like, oh, once they get to the promised land, that's going to be it. Once they finally get there, everything, all their dreams are going to come true. It's going to be great. But when they got to the promised land, that was really just the start of it. Because the promised land wasn't empty. There was a ton of people in the promised land. And those people didn't want to leave. But it wasn't their land, so they had to leave. So what's, what's going to happen? Well, the Israelites are going to come through, and they're either going to kill everybody in it, or they're going to force them out. And that's basically what happened. And while they were uh, doing all of this, they made a covenant with a city in there called Gibeon. Okay? So the Israelites and, and the Gibeonites, fun name, they were, they were in covenant together. And while, all of, while the Israelites were going through and they were fighting everyone, they got a message from the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites said, hey, listen, we're under attack. And what happened was there was this king who heard about the covenant that they had made. And he said, okay, I don't like that. That's, that's, that's bad for me because they're going to kill me and they're going to kill all of my people. So we called up four other kings and said, listen, they're doing this stuff. I don't like it. Let's kill them. And the four other kings were like, okay, yeah, sure. So now you got five kings and all of them are going to go against the Israelites. And they're going to start by taking out the city of Gibeon. All right. So then Gibeon sends out these messengers, says, hey, we need help. Come help us. So that's when we're going to get to Joshua 10, 7. And it says, so Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Joshua traveled all night from uh, Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered a great number of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth-horon, killing them <clears throat> along the way to that place and Makeda. We'll go with that. As the, Am uh, the Amorites retreated, down the road from Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm 
from the heavens that continued until they reached Azekah. Awesome. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. Amazing. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all of his people of Israel, and he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of that place. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jashar? I don't know. Have you guys ever read the book of Jashar? It's probably in there somewhere. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky, and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Okay. So that's pretty awesome. The Lord took the sun, and he froze it. And that's not even correct terminology. Joshua didn't, the sun doesn't freeze. Joshua didn't even pray the right prayer. He, he didn't, he blew it. He couldn't even pray the right thing. And God still was able to do this. But um, something I got out of this, and when I say it, it's going to sound stupid because you're like, well, duh. But it's something that Joshua did that I think a lot of us can, uh, well, should apply to our lives. And it's something that's really obvious, but I think that we all skip over it. And that is... You have to ask for the things that you want. And at first you're like, duh, of course you have to ask for the things that you want. And I mean, yeah, it seems like like common sense, but I feel like most Christians don't fully grasp that, you know? They don't really understand. I mean, I think they understand what it means, but they don't realize how important it is to apply that to your own life. So for instance, you know, so you have something going on in your school, right? Something you don't like, and, you know, it's just really getting to you. You're complaining about it. You're always mad about it. Well, have you ever asked God to do something about it? Right. Say something's going on in your family, and it's not really something you control, but have you ever asked God to do something about it? You know, there's a lot of people that are really upset with the government right now, and, but have they ever asked God to do anything about it? That's a very important thing that a lot of people skip over. And then when God doesn't do something... When there's something going wrong in their school and they're just watching it and then they're like, okay, God, thanks for nothing. How are you going to get mad? It's like if Zod's sitting here, you know, he's got a pen in his hand. If I really need a pen and I look at Zod and I see he's got that pen and I don't ask for it, but I need it. I'm looking at him I'm like, and he's, he's just, he looks back and he can probably say, I, he might be able to deduce that I need a pen. But he's like, like any normal person, he would say, well, if he wants the pen, he's going to ask for it. Then I don't ask for it. Zod gets up and leaves. And the next day I'm like, Zod, what the heck? Why didn't you give me your pen? I needed your pen and you didn't give it to me. So I was like, well, you didn't ask for it. And that's the same thing that we do with God. God doesn't, you know, there's the situation that God doesn't fix. And we're like, God, come on. Why didn't you, why didn't you fix this in my life? Why didn't you do this for me? He said, well, you didn't ask. So, I mean, James 4.2 says you have not because you ask not. It's a very simple idea that every human being understands, but for some reason we still don't put it into practice. So you might say, why, you know, why do I have to ask? God knows. Why doesn't God just do it? Why doesn't he go ahead and do it? So for that, I'm going to say, I didn't give them this, um, James 2.17, which says, faith without works is dead. 
Now, whenever I read that, I always thought works is like, you know, this massive, like, if I want to start a church, I'm going to have to go out. I'm going to have to dig up the ground myself. I'm going to have to put in the concrete. That's the work that I'm doing. If I want to get people saved, I'm going to have to go out on the street and start screaming at them and be like, hey, do you know God? No? Well, you should. That's like, that's the works that I'm going to have to be doing. That's the, that's what I'm going to have to put in. But, you know, some things you can physically do. So the only work that you can do is say it. Because speaking is a work. Speaking is an action. It's like, you know, when Joshua prayed, he couldn't physically stop the sun. There was no work he could do to stop the sun from moving because that's impossible. You, you couldn't even begin to try to do that. The only action he could take, the only work he could do was speaking it. And once he, speak, he spoke it, he got it done. And I want to move on to another thing because, like we said, we're trying to keep it short tonight. We're getting you all out before the hail comes. Um, there's a, there's a, one second, there it is. Okay, so <laughs> some people, you know, there's, there's different reasons that people won't ask, and I feel like a lot of it is just because you don't think to, you know, but there's, there is a group of people who don't ask because they don't think that they are worthy enough to ask. You think that you've done something wrong, and you, you or you think that you've messed up, and because of that, you say, oh, well, God's not going to grant that because, because of what I did. I can't ask for this because I'm not worthy of this because I did something to disqualify myself from that. But that's not true at all. And we can also see this in the story that I just told you guys because what I didn't tell you is earlier, um, before all of this took place, Joshua and the Israelites messed up. Well, the Israelites messed up all the time. But Joshua and the Israelites messed up because... The city they had made a covenant with, they were not supposed to have a covenant with them at all. They said, God said that the promised land was yours and that you were supposed to go through and drive everyone out. And that whole land was supposed to be yours. No one that was in that land when the Israelites got there was supposed to still be there. But the, the people in the city, they knew that they were dead, pretty much. They knew that they weren't going to be able to stay there. So they tricked the Israelites into making a covenant with them. They sent out these messengers, and they brought this bread that they made sure was stale, and they were like, listen, we came to make a treaty. We're from far away, not even anywhere in this land. We brought you bread, but we traveled so far it's stale, so, you know, clearly we're from very far away. Let's, let's you know, let's make peace, us and you. And the Israelites were like, okay, sure, we'll do that. And then they found out that they had made a covenant with someone who was in their land. And when that happens, you know, God takes a covenant really seriously. Even if it's a covenant that you made and it's not right, you made a covenant and God takes that seriously and it's something you have to see through. So this was never supposed to happen, but because they had made this covenant with these people, they had to uphold it. So the battle that was happening was they were coming to protect people who they never should have been involved with with the first place. They were dealing with consequences of an action that should have never been made. This battle, they were going to fight a lot of battles. They had been fighting a lot of battles, but this specific one was never supposed to happen in the first place. But out of this, out of this mistake that they made, God was able to do one of the biggest miracles that is in the Bible. 
out of this situation that they were never supposed to be in, they were never supposed to be there, God still took that and he gave them victory and they won the day. And that just goes to show you can't disqualify yourself. Because I mean, there's, there's a point where if you are in sin, you know, God's, God can only do so much for you. But if you are out of sin, you've repented for what you've done, you don't have to worry about those past mistakes anymore. There's going to be consequences from them. There's always a consequence for a bad mistake. But that consequence doesn't have to hold you back from what God has for you to do. And you can see that even though Joshua made a big mistake and that there were big consequences for that, it didn't hold them back from what they were supposed to do. They were still able to go on and achieve everything that God called them to do. And that's the, like I said, it's the same thing in your life. Nothing you can do is going to disqualify you from the promises of God. Because everyone has a plan and a calling on their life. And nothing that you can do can take that away from you. That's always going to be there. You're always going to have a calling. God is always going to have a plan for you. No matter what you've done or what you're going through, that's always going to be there. So the last thing I'm, I'm going to talk about is you don't have to be afraid of something that God has told you to do. That sort of ties in where you don't have to be afraid because of messing up. You don't have to be afraid that it's, it's gone because that's never going to happen. But you also just don't have to be afraid in general. Because you look at something and you can say, oh, I can't do that. That's too big. Or, or you know, there's, there's, there's no way for me to do this. That's just, that's not possible. Or that's, you know, that's crazy. That can't be right. That's insane. But when you think about it, if you were in the Bible times, right, and you were with Joshua, and Joshua got down on his knees in front of all of his people, and he started praying, God, stop the sun, You'd be like, what is this dude talking about? That's crazy. That's stupid. He's lost his mind. That's not a thing. You can't pray, God, stop the sun. That is not a, that's not something that can happen. If the earth stops spinning, theoretically, everyone should go flying and until they smack a wall and everything should die because that's how, that's how God created it. If God created that way, he can't stop it. Well, yeah, he created it. He can do whatever he wants with it. You don't have to tie God to any physical rules that we have. You don't have to tie him to any science. You don't have to tie him to what's in humanity's power or anything because he's beyond that. You can get anything that you need. God will provide literally anything that you could ever need or want or ask for. And if he gives you a plan, then he's going to provide everything that you need for that plan. If you say, okay, what if, you know, I feel like I'm being called to pastor, but that's crazy, right? That's, no, there's no way that's going to happen. If God told you it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You don't have to be afraid of it. You don't have to wonder if you set out on this journey, if it'll fail or not. You don't have to wonder if you're going to succeed because if God told you to do it and you're going to do it, it's going to happen. It can be as crazy, you know, someone may say, I think I'm supposed to be like a singer and like make music for a living. Everyone's going to tell you, no, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. Go to college, get it. That's a horrible idea. You should not do that. You're not going to succeed. Don't even think about it. But if you know that's what God's calling you to do, 
you're gonna succeed. It doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter what anyone tells you. If you wanna be on the platform and you know God's calling you to that, you're gonna do it. Doesn't matter. If you set out to do this, God is gonna make sure that you do it because you can never fail at something that God has called you to do. And you know, this church has been given a lot of prophecies. Over the years, we've, we've you know, people have come and they've talked about how big this church is gonna grow and uh, all of the great things that we're gonna, we're gonna accomplish one day. And that can be, you know, sort of a daunting task, but no one in this church has to worry about it. Pastor Jordan doesn't even have to worry about it because we know where God has called us. And we know that that is a place that we're gonna get to no matter what, because that is where we're supposed to be. And with God's help, we're gonna get there without any issue at all. So um, I have Joshua 21:45 written down here. And it says, not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. That means, to give you some perspective, the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, they messed up. They said, we might as well stay here because going with you, you're just making everything worse, Moses. They, they disobeyed God there. When they got out of Egypt, they made idols. And then they got stuck in the desert for 40 years because of this, their disobedience. When they got into the promised land after all of that, they still disobeyed. They made a pact with this group that they weren't supposed to be with, but it didn't matter. All of that, there were setbacks and it took a while, but in the end, they achieved what they set out to do and God fulfilled every promise that he had given them because when you're with God, you can't fail. Everything God promises came to pass. So that is, um, I could say a little bit more, but that's really uh, the gist of everything. That was loud. The gist of everything that I have. So I want to thank you all for coming and... Um, yeah, if, if you have a parent, I guess you can call them because we're out pretty early. But if you drive, make sure that you get home.